Um, This morning we're going to continue in the theme of leverage and we're going to talk about what God can do with the pain that he has allowed us to experience in life. How he can, like a catapult, dramatically leverage the experiences that we go through in life. And this was not an easy sermon to prepare. Uh, Pain is a difficult subject to talk about. It is so personal, it is so specific, it is so emotional that I know I can't come close to doing it justice in one sermon. And so I want to put a couple of disclaimers on this before I get into the message. The first disclaimer is the obvious one. I cannot answer all the questions about pain this morning. This has been one of the most widely held questions in history. Why does God allow pain and suffering? And I would say that at least most of us have wrestled with this question at some point in our lives, so I'll just barely scratch the surface of this this morning. The second thing I wrestled with was which perspective on pain to go with. Initially, I was going to share about some of the things that we've been through in our lives personally, but that process left me realizing again that we have not really suffered. Sure, we've had some hardships, but not to the point where I would consider myself an expert on the subject of pain and suffering. I wanted to hear from someone who had truly experienced pain. And so my search led me to the life of someone whose story I have grown up with. In the summer of 1967, after graduating high school, Johnny Erickson, now Johnny Erickson Tata, was swimming with some friends and her sister, She dove off a raft into the water of Chesapeake Bay, and her head struck the bottom, breaking her neck. She immediately lost the ability to move, and her sister saved her from drowning. The accident left her a quadriplegic, unable to use her arms or legs. She has been a quadriplegic ever since, and her story is a most remarkable one. Johnny has written about 50 books. She's developed an organization called Johnny and Friends, and she has allowed God to use her life to minister to hundreds of thousands of people. And for the last several years, Johnny has lived in a new heightened level of pain. She's had chronic pain for which her doctors have not found a solution. And in the midst of this pain, unable to do some of the things that she has amazingly mastered, like painting beautiful artwork by holding a brush in her mouth, Johnny decided to write again from within the heat of the battle with pain. This morning, I want to share with you some of her perspective on the subject of pain uh, from her new book called A Place of Healing, A Place of Healing. And I want to make a strong recommendation that you get and read this book if you have ever wrestled with this topic. I want to share with you some of what I experienced in this book, and I also want to give you the opportunity to listen to two members of our own congregation who have courageously volunteered to share with us some of their story as well. And I pray that God will bless this time as we discover some things about him this morning that we need to know. So the equation for us this morning, again, is this. Our pain plus God's power equals eternal gain. Last week, we talked about our peeves plus God's power This morning, it's our pain plus God's power equals eternal gain. How, then, do we connect our pain with God's unlimited power? Well, there are a few things that we need to believe in order for this to happen. First of all, we need to believe that Jesus is just as concerned about our health and healing today as he was when he walked the earth. 
Too many people have made the audacious claim that miraculous healing stopped shortly after Jesus lived among us. And this simply is not true. If you have not encountered someone who's, who has experienced this healing or knows someone else who has, let me change that fact for you this morning. I believe that God heals today. I know that God heals today. I experienced this when I was two years old and my parents almost lost me to disease and a miraculous healing kept me alive. There is no other explanation. I experienced this in the face of a thoroughly confused pediatric cardiologist when a hole in our baby boy's heart suddenly disappeared. God can and does heal. And we must believe that this is true. Jesus once asked the 12 disciples if they wanted to leave him, as so many of his other followers were doing at that time. And we have to claim Peter's answer when it comes to believing on Jesus as our healer. He said to Christ, Lord, to whom shall we go? And there is no other place to go. Jesus was, is, and will always be the great healer. The second thing that we need to believe that will connect us with God's power is that we are indeed healed by Christ's wounds, but not necessarily immediately. So what happens in the meantime? Well, someone from our own congregation is going to come and share now what God's been doing in her life throughout her experience with pain and disease. So, Betsy, will you come now and share with us? Good morning. Jeremy, I can totally relate. The public speaking thing for me, too, is so nerve-wracking. But I just want to begin first by saying I love you people. You are my family. And for the past 11 years that I have been here, I I just can't tell you how much you have meant to me and my family and how much you have lifted us up and carried us through some of the pain and suffering that we've experienced. So thank you. I just want to begin here with a little introduction of myself and Betsy Beach, like Paul said. Ryan and I have been going here for about 11 years, and we have two beautiful children. And I'm just going to go, and some of you know my story, so feel free to sleep through this if you want to. But um, there are many new faces that I don't know personally, and so I just kind of like to give you um, just a taste of what's been going on the past 20 years of my life or so. Um, A little over 20 years ago, when I was about 13, I was diagnosed with a chronic disease called lupus, and some of you may be familiar with it, some may not. But lupus is an incurable autoimmune disease where your immune system basically stops working properly, and um, what it ends up doing is kind of attacking your own organs. So to paint a little bit of a picture for you, my body has basically been at war with itself for the past 20 years or so. Um, I certainly could go through the past 20 years and give you the play-by-play every minute detail of every flare that I've had, but I certainly don't want to bore you today. So I'm just going to give you the the highlight reel of my life with lupus. For the sports fans out there, um, you can imagine kind of sports center music playing in the background. So here goes. Over the past 20 years, I have had my kidneys shut down. I've had huge blisters over my entire body. I've had my red blood cells destroyed by antibodies, which caused severe life-threatening anemia. I've had my lungs hemorrhage liters upon liters of blood. I've had the loss of a baby at 22 weeks gestation. 
Over the past 20 years, I have had a rash that gave me sores in my mouth and in my nose. I've had hair loss, high blood pressure, weakened bones, achy joints, severe weight loss, severe weight gain, indescribable fatigue, and sores on my fingers and toes. Over the past 20 years, I have had three cold blues where I've needed to be resuscitated. In the past 20 years, I've spent over four months of my life in the hospital, uh, 39 days in an ICU, four weeks in a coma, and two weeks in a rehabilitation center. Hold on one second. <laughs> Let me change my notes here. In the past 20 years, I have undergone CAT scans, x-rays, bone scans, four kidney biopsies, and ultrasounds of my heart and kidneys. In the past 20 years, I have undergone one lung biopsy, two skin biopsies, a hysterectomy, echocardiograms, and continuous dialysis. In the past 20 years, I have undergone blood transfusions, plasma exchanges. I've had my body wrapped in medicated cloths for weeks at a time. I've been intubated and on a ventilator, and when that was in too long, I had a tracheotomy. In the past 20 years, I've received intense physical therapy. That taught me how to walk again. Over 50 units of blood, over 300 units of plasma, around 20 IV chemotherapy treatments, insulin injections, IV iron injections, IV steroid treatments, and finally high doses of oral steroids and countless other medications. Oftentimes when I go through that list and give my health history to medical professionals, they look at me a little warily, they kind of step back, as though I'm some sort of medical mystery. And you know what, I suppose I am, because I've come to find out that I really shouldn't be here. I should not be alive. The chances of surviving a pulmonary hemorrhage as severe as the one I had five years ago are rare at best. When speaking to my doctors at the Mayo Clinic not that long ago, um, they said there's absolutely no documented case at the Mayo Clinic, or he had called other doctors he knew uh, throughout the nation. There were no documented cases of someone actually surviving their first pulmonary hemorrhage. Um, but I'm still standing here today because the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who gave sight to the blind, the God who raised Lazarus from the dead, that God is my God. And he has been with me through every single moment and is bigger than every single thing on that list. He has been faithful time and time again through every season of the past 20 years of my life. When I sit down and kind of think over these past life experiences, I'm at that place where I can claim truthfully that I would not trade a single moment away from my history. Of course, there are things I'd rather not repeat, you know, losing a baby or the pulmonary hemorrhage. But without a doubt, I would not be the person that I am today if it were not for what God has taught me over the past 20 years. Because in 20 years of suffering, God has revealed himself to me in awesome and beautiful ways. And I would not trade the richness of those experiences away for a life that is more comfortable and has less suffering in it. I have learned that when God reveals a part of who he is to me, and I am an un unworthy sinner, 
that the beauty of his glory eclipses my suffering. My relationship with the creator of the universe, it eclipses my pain. The majesty of who God is, it eclipses the plans and desires that I have for my life. When God allows me to experience him more fully, my obstacles and afflictions, my anxiety, and the unknowns that once seemed so large and looming now appear absolutely insignificant when it's compared to the awesomeness of who he is. And I do not doubt that during the hard times in my life, God has always been present, always. And he has been using those painful circumstances and the physical pain, the emotional scars. He's been using all of those to teach me more about who he is and to bring me into a deeper relationship with him. When I was 14 and suffering intense pain because the blisters all over my skin had opened up, God taught me how to rely on his strength. When I was going through chemotherapy treatments as a junior in college, God, he was my sustainer. When I was in a coma five years ago, he was my refuge and my safety. When I lost my child and nearly my life, God was my comforter and redeemer. When doctor bills were mounting and my insurance coverage was about to lapse, God taught me that he alone was my provider. And last November, when I was told that I would eventually need a kidney transplant and that my lungs had started to hemorrhage again, God was my rock and fortress, my strong tower. And lately, through his awesome power and infinite goodness, he has been my restorer and healer. My suffering and pain has been the instrument that God has used to bring me to a fuller and richer understanding of who he is. Let me be the first to say that this road to realization has certainly not been without struggle. I have wrestled with God over and over again about his plans versus my plans or his ways versus my ways. But I can't help but notice that God's presence in my life has been most apparent when I felt his hand, you know, upon me has have been the times when I have surrendered myself fully to him. When those seasons in my life, when I pray to God for God to use the brokenness in my body in any way that he wants in life or in death, those certainly were the times that he shined through me when I was able to release the desires and dreams that I had for my life and surrender the pain and empty myself before him. And he filled me fully and wholly and allowed my imperfect body to be a reflection of his glory. And let me tell you that to be used by God in that way has been humbling, awesome, and life-changing for me. I've also discovered that when you surrender yourself to his ways, God and his infinite wisdom takes you to a place that oftentimes blows your socks off. It just surpasses anything you could have planned for yourself. You see, for 19 of the 20 years that I've had lupus, I had never prayed for healing for myself. At the time, I really felt that it was God's call for my life to suffer and to do it joyfully. And maybe for that time that it was. But a little over a year ago, things began to change. God <clears throat> used his word my quiet time with him and conversations with godly friends around me to tell me that he wanted me to start praying for healing. So actually at that foot of the cross one day during a service, I just 
laid myself down and first of all asked God to forgive me for my lack of faith and for maybe being an obstacle in something that he was trying to do. And over the next few months, God took me on a a wonderful journey in sweet and sweet and surprising ways. He just began to show me what my heart needed to look like when I cried out to him in prayer, how I needed to be broken and empty. And so daily, every day before I would get out of bed in the morning, I cried many times bald out to God, and I cried out to him for healing. And through his goodness, I became aware that his plan for my life was so much better than anything I had planned for myself. Finally, in April, God began to press into me that he wanted me to pray and fast for healing. So I did, and I asked others that loved me to do it with me. And the evening after the fast, we gathered together here at church and just prayed together for healing and for complete restoration for my body. Let me tell you, God moved. His Holy Spirit was everywhere that night. And as the prayer time ended, God said to me, it is finished. And just as he said that, the exact same words came out of the mouth of someone praying right next to me. It is finished. It is done. And so I rejoice. I rejoice in the healing that God has brought me. And yet I don't know what that healing looks like here on earth. I don't know if my test results will indicate what God has stated. I don't know if people will accept my declaration or think I'm totally off my rocker. But I do know who my God is. He is my strength, my strong tower, my mighty fortress, my rock, my comforter, my restorer, my provider, my sustainer, my redeemer, and my healer. And if he says it's finished, that I am healed, then I choose to believe him. I heard someone say recently that God sometimes heals medically occasionally heals miraculously, and always heals eternally. What a joy it is to know that this life is fleeting, that the pain we experience is momentary, and that we will spend the rest of our eternity healed and whole. This broken body of mine yearns for the day. In that worship song that we just sang, in that verse in Revelation that describes... And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Betsy. How many of us can see our own pain through eyes like that? How many of us would dare utter these three words to God? Bring it on. Whatever you have for us, bring it on. Is God really good if he allows us to remain in the grip of pain and doesn't just heal us right away? Yes, he is. See, Jesus did indeed reverse the curse called sin that had been placed on our world. But the redemption of that world is a process. And throughout that process, he has called us into that process. 
So the third thing that I think we need to believe in order to connect our pain with God's power is that Jesus has varied purposes for his own. Here's the similarity in the plan that God has for his people. It's found in Romans 8.29. This is what it says. For those God foreknew, his people, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And as God's people, we are all being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ, the first of God's sons. But that's where the similarity of our paths ends. The tools that God uses to conform us to the image of his son are completely up to him. And pain may be one of the tools that he uses for you. It may not be one of the tools he uses for the person next to you. We cannot expect God's will for our transformation to be the same as what we see in someone else's life. Jesus is the great healer. He is healing us, but not necessarily immediately. And he has unique plans for each one of us that may include enduring suffering. Believing these things goes a long ways in connecting our pain with God's power. So then what? What gain? What can possibly be gained by our experience with pain? Johnny Erickson has asked God many, many times to be healed from her condition. And God has consistently answered with a no. Now listen to how she responds to this question. A no answer has purged sin from my life, strengthened my commitment to him, forced me to depend on grace, bound me with other believers, produced discernment, fostered sensitivity, disciplined my mind, taught me to spend my time wisely, and widened my world beyond what I would have ever dreamed had I never had that accident in 1967. My affliction has stretched my hope, made me know Christ better, helped me long for truth, led me to repentance of sin, goaded me to give thanks in times of sorrow, increased my faith, and strengthened my character. Being in this wheelchair has meant knowing him better, feeling his pleasure every day. If that doesn't qualify as a miracle in your book, then may I say it in all kindness, I prefer my book to yours. That, folks, is eternal gain. What does experiencing pain or suffering do to your understanding of God and your relationship with him? It should do something. And I'm going to ask Joy Herzog to come now and share some of what God has been doing in her life as a result of some things that she has experienced in her past as well. So, Joy, come now. I'm nervous. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joy. Um, Peter and I have been at Chapel Hill for over 10 years. And I grew up going to church, and I was very well aware of the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Oh, I didn't expect to cry. <laughs> um, 
um, I was furious with God. And um, I didn't understand how, if God actually loved me and wanted me to have a good future, why he allowed things to happen and why he didn't protect me. And why on earth would I ever follow a God that allows that stuff to happen? To people that I, you know, I thought he loved me. I'm like, he's, I'm his kid. <laughs> so I had no interest in following that God. Except I did. <laughs> so it's very confused. Um, as those years passed, the feelings that I had determined to keep silent were growing inside of me. And they weren't just... Um, contained in nightmares anymore. They came out in ways that I couldn't keep quiet any longer. Um, and I was slipping out of control pretty quickly. Um, however, during that time, God continued to speak to me, and I continued to get in his face and ask him questions and be angry. Um, and when I was in college, he brought me to the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus's story is uh, his sisters Mary and Martha are good friends with Jesus, and Lazarus was good friends with Jesus, and he died. And Mary and Martha had called Jesus and said, get over here before, Jesus, before Lazarus dies, and he didn't make it there in time. And so they were sad, and Jesus cried with them. Um, and so when God brought me to that story, um, he spoke to me and said, uh, he said, I do cry with you, and I know that um, that this hurts, and I hurt with you when you're going through that stuff. So um, I wanted to believe that, but at that point I was not ready to, you know, let to trust God. Um, so years went by, and I had a lot of failed methods of avoiding pain. Um all very unglamorous and scary, and many of you guys walked through those with us. Um, but God made it very clear that he was working in our lives. And uh, there were several, several things that were taking place that made it possible for me to be able to gradually be willing to believe that I could trust God. Um, my husband, Peter... <laughs> He stayed with me through seven years of hell, pretty much. I did about as much as I could to make his life miserable, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. But he, was, he loved me relentlessly, and he was always intensely supportive. And he did what he had to do to get us through. And um, there are few men today that wouldn't have said, my wife's crazy, I'm out. And he didn't, and that's to be commended. And I'm really thankful that he did. Um, many of you at Chapel Hill came alongside of us as well. <laughs> some of you listened. Some of you offered hugs and weren't insulted when I was refusing those hugs. <laughs> uh, others of you really challenged the lies that I had in my head and um, were willing to be in my face and say the hard things. Um, all of that, Peter and you guys, led me to look, be willing to look more closely at God. Um, what I ended up doing was I started searching the word for who God said he was and who he revealed himself to be in other people's lives. Um, I wanted to look for who God was 
as he said it and not just my angry perspective said it. Um, And what was very clear was that God was not human. He didn't have to be held to human standards. And he doesn't screw up the way humans do. Um, So for the first time, I was actually able to see him correctly as God and not to be put on the same level of you can't trust people, so you can't trust God. Um, Yeah, during that time, I was able to actually embrace the freedom that he provided and was able to break the chains of emotional instability, whatever you want to call it, Um, and was free for the first time in so many years. Um, Once God got a hold of my heart, there was still a lot of cleaning up to be done. I was dead set on not having kids because I'd be a horrible mom, and I hated kids, and I had millions of reasons. I was very adamant against it. And God, in his amazing timing, healed a bunch of those past hurts um, that gave me a good reason, I thought, to not have kids. Um, And he did some really clear, definite healing things. And a month after that, um, I found out that we were pregnant with Grace. So (laughs) the timing that he uses is so great. Um, Yeah. It's really hard for me to say what Betsy said, and uh, I, I know that without the pain that I had in my life, I would not be following God. I was very stubborn and independent and thinking I could do it on my own. I have a really hard time saying I would do it again, <laughs> but I also wouldn't change where I am with God today. I'm really thankful for our relationship now, and... I'm able to say that I fully trust him. <laughs> we used to sing a song at a church that we went to um, it's called Trust, and it basically was a verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on, on your own understanding. And I would sit and bawl through that song. Because I'm like, how the heck am I supposed to trust you, God, when you put all this crap in my life? And now I can fully say that, you know, that stuff was really hard. <laughs> but you used it for your work and... Even if uh, I never affect anyone else's life with the pain that I've been through, I know where I'm going to be, and I have an awesome relationship with God, and I'm thankful for that. Um, I've been studying Romans, and it's very clear in Romans that we grow through suffering. And um, because of that, I expect that there will be more suffering in my future. And I pray that when that comes, that... I'll be able to say, all right, God, you know what you're doing. I do not. So hold me tightly. (laughs) And here we go. So thank you. The only perfect plan for our lives is God's plan. And it inevitably involves us growing closer to him and becoming more dependent on him. The deepening of our relationship with our creator through the experience of pain and suffering is eternal gain. What else do we gain? I'm not done. How about a new perspective? What does that new perspective look like? Well, first of all, we get our focus off ourselves. 
And believe me, that's gain. But who's going to look after me if I don't? Well, how about the one who created you? See, he wants to use you as part of his plan, not just for you, but also as a part of his plan for someone else. Maybe for many other people. That can't happen unless we get our focus off ourselves. Our pain ought to make us clearly aware that there are people all around us who are experiencing pain. Can we accept the challenge to become intimately connected with someone else who is suffering? Ask God to show you who it is that he wants to use you to minister to and let him surprise you by that. This new perspective also involves us putting our dependence on God. Our dependence is on that which makes us strong, not that which makes us weak. How many of us know more about the pain that we're experiencing than we do about the God who is greater than any pain we could ever experience? We face disease and we spend so much time and energy learning about that disease. Do we spend even more time and energy learning about the one who has the power to heal any disease? The one who promises to demonstrate his strength to perfection when we are weak? And our perspective gets our eyes on the future. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. Another eternal gain that comes from connecting our pain with God's power is that we are given a new song. Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Have you experienced his new song as you've come through a time of pain and suffering? Well, I pray that you will if you haven't yet. Kim and I went through the pain of infertility as we tried to start a family of our own. Uh, Things didn't turn out the way that we had planned. We had a song in mind that we expected to be singing. And we mourned the release of that song. But God gave us a new song in three incredible adopted sons. It's a silly song. (laughs) But it's a better song than we could ever have imagined. Johnny recounts hearing someone else's new song in her book. And I want you to hear this story. Cindy is a young woman with cerebral palsy that Johnny knows. And she was the last one participating in a talent show that they had at a Johnny and Friends family retreat. Cindy's mother told the audience that Cindy had been working hard all week on her song, Amazing Grace. And this is how Johnny tells the story of that event. Several of us looked at each other. We all loved Cindy, but how was this going to work? Because of her disability, Cindy couldn't speak. Then her mother walked off stage and left Cindy alone. The young woman laboriously stretched out her twisted fingers and pushed a button on her communication device attached to her chair. And out came the monotone, computerized voice, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. As the robotic voice continued the hymn, Cindy turned her head to face us, the audience, and with enormous effort, mouthed all the words as best she could. What's more, her smile lit up the entire place. It was a performance that any opera star or recording artist would envy. 
To be honest, I had never seen anything to equal it from that day to this. Amazing Grace is not a new song, but that night it was sung in an entirely new way. Although Cindy was unable to sing the words with her vocal cords, something happened as she leaned hard on Jesus and mouthed those words. I can't explain how, but somehow it rose up in that auditorium as a ringing hymn of praise to God. It was as though Cindy's song was backed by an 80-piece orchestra. I can imagine the angels, filled with wonder, leaning over the edge of heaven to catch every word. A new song in our mouth. That's eternal gain. The last aspect of eternal gain that I want to just touch on this morning is that of ultimate healing. Pain is not going to be around much longer, brothers and sisters. Listen to the vision God gave John in Revelation 21, and this has been referred to already. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. One day soon, total ultimate healing forever. Johnny writes in her book of that healing. She looks forward to receiving her new body. She longs for the day when she will have functional legs again. But do you know what she looks forward to the most? Do you know what she wants to do first when she receives those new legs? Not run through a meadow or walk along the ocean shore. She can't wait to get new legs so that she can kneel before her Creator. There's so much more to healing than to simply be relieved of our pain. And that day is coming soon. The last chapter of Johnny's book is titled, Thank You, God, for This Wheelchair. Are you a step closer today to having that kind of perspective on pain? I know I am. God has spoken to me in a new way through reading this book, through our experience this morning. After writing the last chapter, Johnny had a doctor appointment before the book was published. On June 24th, this past summer, Johnny was diagnosed with breast cancer. Has it changed her perspective at all? No, not one bit. Her pain has been connected with God's power. And she has shown to all of us that there is great eternal gain in that process. May God bring every one of us to that place today. That place of trust. Joy mentioned Proverbs 3, 5. It's a well-known verse that says so much about the key to this kind of perspective. And that's the challenge that I want to leave with you today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
Let God be God. Trust him with your life. He knows what is best for you and for his glory. And if his plan for you includes enduring some form of pain, trust him sincerely with your life. Your will, God. Bring it on. And I ask Peter and the worship team to come up now, prepare for our closing song. I want us to sing this song together as we leave today. Let's pray before we do. Heavenly Father, we have seen so much evidence of you today. We have seen your care in the lives of several whom we've talked about this morning. The love that you have for us. A love that we can't understand because sometimes it doesn't match up with what we think it should look like. But you have this perfect love for us, this perfect plan for our lives. And yes, it does include pain and suffering sometimes. But Father, we know that you never leave us. No matter what we're going through. And we thank you for that. And Father, I want to give everybody here this morning a chance to just come before you this morning and make a declaration. God, we want to say in our hearts and our minds to you, your will be done. We want to express to you that we trust you to take our pain and with your power turn it into something eternal and glorious. Take a moment right now to do that with God. It can be as simple as this. Just say in your heart and your mind, God, I trust you. Thank you, Father, for the reality that we are healed. Pain is temporary. Suffering is temporary. Our spirits being in Christ, that's eternal, that's forever. Give us the courage to face every day, no matter what it brings. Trusting you, believing that you know what's best, and praising you in the midst of it. And we commit ourselves to you this morning, in Jesus' name.